My name's Scott McGurty and I studied at the University of Ulster in Northern Ireland. Um, I actually started studying German and computers at once um, and then it wasn't for me so decided to drop the German element of it and come back and study computer science. Nowadays I am a radio presenter by trade, I'm self-employed in one aspect and then I am a compliance manager for a radio station in Sunderland making sure that people on air don't get sued. Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. German was always my best subject at school. Uh, I was always very big on communication, which is odd that I now work in radio, which is all about communication. Uh, but the future seemed like it was going to be computers, computers, computers. And at the time, uh, people had household PCs and a lot of them were like Siemens, Nixdorf, I think it was. So I was like, I can do German. I can do computing. Let's do a German and computing degree. And actually, there's one 20 minutes from where I live. Um, but when I started to, to actually get settled in, I found things really difficult in the sense that um, German had a lot of political elements to it and you had to learn history. Um, history was not my thing. Politically, growing up in Northern Ireland, I didn't want to speak about politics in Northern Irish or English, never mind in German. So that element quickly started to stress me out. And it was like, right, hold on a second. You need to step back from this. What are you going to do? And again, it wasn't a passion. It was very much logically it's the year 2002. Go get a computer science degree because that's where the future is. Uh, so, yeah, I did withdraw from the year, moved campuses and then started to kind of semi plan a little bit. But at this point, it wasn't necessarily from a place of passion. It was very much from a place of logic and kind of tricking myself into thinking you'll love this when you get into it. So what 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 kind of things did you, did you do to trick yourself into, you know, pushing yourself forward? I pushed myself at a social life, really, and actually going and doing the studying was the chore of being at university. And um, I think that's really relatable with a lot of people. And sometimes actually you just choose a degree that you think you're going to be able to get um, when actually, you know, sometimes what you really want to do either isn't viable or you just don't really know. Because, you know, the thing that I know now that I'm 36 is people don't really know what they want to do. And people will never really know what they want to do. A lot of the time, you know, some people do. There's a very small proportion of people, in my opinion, do know what they want to do. But a lot of the time you just make decisions and kind of go with it, really. And I came from an era of people where, you know, friends, family and stuff like that. had. You get a career and it's a job for life. And that's not what exists in this day and age. So I think what's been consistent is people the whole time since I've gone to university is, People don't really actually know what they want, but sometimes you just do pick a path and you, you roll with it a little bit. Um, and that was kind of what I did. Tell us a little bit about the start of your career path. Did you have some sort of experience when you left university or how did it all start and sort of pan out? I had I had a really strange experience because I got really lucky in many respects. But while I was doing my GCSEs and A-levels, I worked in a supermarket and I worked in the fruit and veg department. Um, and I came from a small town. Everybody knew each other. And then the the bosses of the supermarket really took a shine to me. And they, as soon as they got a sniff of the fact that I was going to go and do IT uh, in some way, shape or form. Um, and they knew as well that I was kind of unhappy with the German side of things. So I think really they they were 
kind of preempting that he's going to play at the university and we can give this guy a job and he's not going to get a degree here. Um, they started to offer me shifts in their cash office, dealing with the money, which, again, um, was kind of like a little test to see how I could deal with responsibility. Um, but then they actually then asked me to cover two weeks worth of someone's job who was pretty much like the internal accountant um, for the organization. So, you know, you at the time networking on tills wasn't as great. So, you know, you, you had computers like DOS based computer systems. You give instructions it it downloaded how much money each till had made. And then in the cash office, you make sure that the cash matches what the systems make. You do a weekly, you do a Monday process, a Friday process, a weekly process, a monthly process. I followed these processes for this girl and they, these were then really keen as a supermarket to give me that experience. But I was getting shifts in all departments of this supermarket. Um, and then what then got a little bit odd was the fact that the owner of the supermarket saw the unit outside across the road, which was like the best located unit in the town. Um, it used to be an O2 mobile phone shop. He got in contact with him and then decided, I'm going to buy this mobile phone unit and we're going to open a mobile phone shop in the town because there wasn't really a proper one. There was one that was in a chip shop, which makes totally no sense. Um, but he was going to open an actual mobile phone shop. And around my uni work um, and things like that, I was working in this phone shop and things kind of got a bit more IT-ish from that point uh, while I was at uni. But just as we were coming to the point where um, I was going to leave the first degree that I started, the German and the computer degree, things were just a bit like, oh, gosh, I don't want to live at home to do this. If you live at home, you're missing so much stuff. So you need to be passionate about what you're doing in the classroom. And I wasn't as passionate about the German as the IT. So as I had then left my degree and was taking like half of a year out, um, I went on a course because my brother would get 2000 points of funding if I went on this business startup course. And I just did it to tick the number so that his organization could get the money. Uh, but part of that was you need to decide on your own business. You need to do a business plan. And here's some business support. Two days later, I had a business plan for a mobile phone business of my own in a different town. And two weeks later, I had a mobile phone business that I didn't actually mean to have. So did did you have that business running in the middle of second year? Is that correct? It wasn't in the middle of second year. So my, my degree was only two years long. And um, so I did. I did. The, I started at university and I started in September and I had that business up and running in the next February. So I'd, I'd stopped I'd pulled out of the whole German and computing course at Coleraine and then wasn't at university anymore for the kind of like the December, the January, you know, to the next September. So I probably had about eight months off in total, but three months into my actual year out, I went on this course for my brother and all of a sudden I've got a mobile phone business and I hadn't gone back to university at this point. So I had a mobile phone business where I didn't have to go back to university and I could just have gone and done that and and ran this um little independent business while um you know while I just, I just felt like it but I was determined to make sure that I got a degree because everybody that I had done my A-levels and stuff with everything in Northern Ireland is very very much you get your degree if you are going to do something that isn't manual so you need to make sure you've got your degree and stuff there um and I still went with the IT one so were you running this business right throughout your studies? Yes. So I, I had a mobile phone business while I did my degree. And I was actually able to, as part of my degree, 
use my mobile phone business for case studies. So for my final dissertation, uh, we did a a stock management system for a mobile phone shop because we used my business as the actual case study at the time. So let's fast forward a little bit. You get to the end of your degree. What happened next? Again, I hated the mobile phone business. It wasn't ever supposed to really happen. And I actually struggled in the early stages. What was really strange was I was 19 years old. I was a university student and my business expanded quite quickly. And I I had a shop manager that I was responsible for employing and she was a professional woman. And I had a business to business manager who I had to get him a unit. The two of these guys didn't get on. He had a unit in an industrial estate and a um, like a company car kind of a thing from my business. And um, I had that whole thing at university and I was managing people at 19 years old that were that were looking to, you know, they wanted to progress. They wanted to make some money from me. So they were really going to be like long term business partners. Uh, the business then had got to a point where actually with the help of my brother, um, we were actually going to put concession stands for it in video shops across Northern Ireland. So um, if you are listening in England, you'll know Blockbuster. If you are listening in Ireland and Northern Ireland, you might remember Extravision. Um, and the um, the one of the one of the stores had an ice cream stand in it and they were looking, they put ice cream stands in some of their video shops. They put some bed shops in some of their video shops and they were going to put, it was called Intelligent Talk. They were going to put an Intelligent Talk in all of their video shops too. So it, I had to make a really serious decision about whether I wanted to do that because that was going to put me into chief executive land in the middle of university. And did I want to do that for the rest of my life? And the answer was absolutely not. Something just sat with me that wasn't right. And I was like, just go now and focus um, on your degree. But as soon as the degree ended, I was like, what do I want to do? So that made things really difficult. That was a difficult decision. But the benefit of having your own business is kind of the fact that you've got a little bit of money and a little bit of flexibility. So that business allowed me to go on holiday. I went on holiday with my lads from Northern Ireland, met an English girl who was fascinating. I'd never met anybody like her and had a long distance relationship while I was running this business and while I was at university. So I was flying back at the weekends to the northeast of England um, every every second weekend. We saw each other every weekend. I did every second and then she came she came to me. But at the time that the the business uh, and the university was kind of at a difficult point, it's like, what am I going to do? I've got no debt. I can close it down. It's managed to go really, really well. What will I do? And I just closed it literally overnight and moved to England. <laughs> so I assume by the time you moved over to England, you were thinking about opening up that business again yeah i moved here i was like what can i do what is the first thing that i'm going to do and i'm like right i know about mobile phones um i'll be able to get something in a mobile phone shop um but i need to like wait till i see something come up so i did factory work straight away i think i i walked into my father-in-law's house moved in to his daughter's bedroom and went straight out the next day to an agency and there was lots of agencies at that point in the northeast of England you could walk in off the street and you had a lot of options pretty quickly based on what you did um I didn't want to do call center work straight away because I thought call centers send you down a specific avenue and you need to be really picky about which call center you want to go to because they you know some can destroy you and some can absolutely make you and if I was going to do that I wanted to be made but I went to an agency I did some temp work in a factory where I made cardboard cutouts for Sainsbury's so if you ever saw something swinging from the roof in Sainsbury's I'd printed it on some sort of computer um, I worked in a factory where we started to print 
the marble effect on PVC so people could not have to tile their bathrooms. They could put like these panels, these plastic panels in into the shower instead. Um, that was in its infancy and it was part of that process. And I worked in a bakery, which now doesn't exist anymore, where I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning, open big, massive, what were giant paint tubs of raw egg and glaze scones and pasties, which was a bit gross. So actually, I didn't do anything IT wise until something really came up. But something didn't come up for a while for IT. And actually, um, I closed my mobile phone shop down. I needed to renew my contract myself. And we were in the Metro Centre and there was a phones for you. And I went to the phones for you to renew my phone. And they tried to sell me insurance. And the insurance package the guy was selling me was rubbish. It was crap. Um, And it just made him loads of money. And I said, is this your best product? Do you think this is the best product in the market? And he said, yeah. And I went, you're absolutely wrong. It doesn't cover you for this. It doesn't cover you for this. It doesn't cover you for this. You'll get this commission. So you're happy. Um, and this is the reason why you shouldn't really sell this product to people because it's really misleading. Somebody overheard it and then said, who are you? How do you know this? And I said, I've just closed a mobile phone business down in Northern Ireland. Um, and, you know, I, I think that what you're doing is pretty wrong. And uh, they then offered me a job interview the next week. And I went back and I got uh, offered an assistant store manager job. Uh, within probably three weeks of moving to England. How long did you do the assistant store job manager for? I didn't do it. I went for the interview and the guy that interviewed me asked me at the end of the job interview whether I supported Rangers or Celtic. And I told him to F himself. I've left a country where I've left all of that stuff behind and I don't need that in my life now. And to kind of quote Ed Sheeran, I was like, you need me, mate. I don't need you. Um, So I then didn't actually take that job and I then went to an open day and I went to an open day for a call center in North Tyneside and didn't even realize when I got the call back from them that they were interested didn't even realize who they were or where I'd been you just went to call center open days because there was such mass recruitment in in call centers at this point and then we went to this call center open day I got a phone call and they said you've got the job and I was like oh great um I don't mean to be rude. What what job? What 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 are you expecting me to what are you expecting me to do here? Um and I was like, well, I'll take it. You know, it was I think it might have been something really I think it might have been like eleven or twelve grand. The mo- the money was shocking. And um it was like eight till four. So I took this job and went in and the building wasn't even finished yet. They were building the whole of the silver link. Um there was uh, a call centre, an orange call centre, which had people in it, and this GE money, which people would have known at the time as GE Capital Bank. They had a rebrand. They're now Santander. But I went into this job um, with a group of people who were were great. We'd all been recruited through this open day sort of a thing. We were given the most complex product for customer support you've ever experienced in your life. It was it was intense. Um, and they were moving it to the northeast of England because the colleagues in Leeds couldn't struggle or were struggling with this product. But it turned out that our trainer was really good and I got the product quite quickly and I understood how it worked because of my computer science degree. So we're now looking at transferable skills from the mathematics I'd done through my computer science degree. I was able to kind of figure things out and then it turned out I was really good at explaining it to people and I got really good call scores on the phone. So within four or five months of being on telephones um, doing this really complex product, uh, I then got promoted and they asked me to be a trainer um which then meant i needed to be able to train people on it systems telephones and all of that kind of stuff so the it side of things has always kind of been there even though i'm not going for it jobs so how long did you stay in that role before you moved on to your next step so for that then the it was really apparent whenever i'd been in 
the training room that I was a really good trainer um, and I'd always loved the thought of being a teacher and people have always said I'd be a really good teacher but the problem is is like I always end up no matter what circumstance you put me in I end up being a leader um, and I don't love being a leader it's just an output um, and I love having a manager who I respect and people admire above me um, so I did that for I, I want to say I only did it for about eight months and um, somebody then got recruited into the team at the same time as me so two new trainers joined and the woman that I work with um was fantastic she was really inspirational i i used some of my creativity to give her ideas she used loads of her years of training experience as a professional professional cib cipd experienced trainer to train me on things and we were just like this dream team really um, and she used to work at a software company called sage which for me was like i said earlier you know you can you can go into a rubbish call center or you can go into a brilliant call center or a brilliant business and sage is a prime example of that where it isn't really even a call center you know you the people that worked there at the time would have been really offended if you'd have said they worked in a call center they were a tech support system for a piece of software they weren't a, a mass-produced call center where people um where people applied and just got in and turned up at open days and got jobs and stuff at sage it took i think i think it used to take people an average of seven goes to get a job at sage because it was so difficult to get into and people really wanted the job but you needed to be really on the ball um she had worked there um, and loved it and actually recommended me to somebody so eventually i got this phone call asking me to go for this job that they've never been able to fill for about two and a half years um which was a customer experience trainer so as much as it was as much as I had some tech knowledge. They didn't want me for that. They wanted me to enhance the customer experience and to kind of, if, we're, if we look at it like this, to take the Sheldons out of the Big Bang Theory and to socialize them so that they can give a better customer experience when somebody rings for tech support help. So I then kind of get headhunted for that job. And then um, I did do some techie stuff in there. So I trained people on installs, how to install software, um, how to do payroll year ends as well. So basic processes every April. Um, but predominantly it was about the soft skills and actually what happened is I was ticking boxes for my IT degree but really what was happening is my personality and my approach to people my people skills and all of that kind of stuff um, was the thing that was was setting me away on a different path and all of the things that when I was trying to choose my GCSEs and I wanted to do media and wasn't allowed all of the things that I wanted to express then are now starting to come out like eight years later. Which I suppose leads us to an obvious question of where did the radio side of things come into it? Because anyone listening up to this point would be forgiven for thinking that maybe you were heading down an IT-related route. So as part of my leadership um, role or my customer experience role, so I would train. Um, I did the company induction. So anybody that came into Sage into the small business division, I would meet. Um, and that would be whether they were a frontline associate, you know, on, on telephones, if it was a team manager that were leading teams, if they were a senior manager, like at a much more level, higher level or a managing director. Um, so I met everybody that came in. Um, so I ended up with this like really wider knowledge of the whole of the inside of the Sage system. And the next steps for me were to do more leadership development roles with people higher up in the organization um so i'd started doing some small projects with chief execs and um again me being me was still very much uh trying to be the future way you would interact with the chief exec you know like very um I think like very Facebook or very Google. That was my approach. Whereas, you know, Sage was very like that, but you still have to have a specific level of respect and conduct. So I needed to kind of like hone my skills and start to understand chief execs a bit more. So uh, there was this 
project about leadership development that we paid to send a bunch of staff members to but I was there with the premise that I they were going to train me on how to deliver it while I was there and you were going to come back and run higher level executive leadership development courses so I went on this thing this retreat for five days and went and stayed in this nice country manor outside of Morpeth in Northumberland and uh, as part of that you had to really be spiritual and get in touch with yourself and you had to look at your passions and things and things that you love and at this point I'd just taken up a hobby of doing like hospital radio um, in Sunderland I started doing a few radio shows which were shocking and I was really disinterested in them because I had to play requests for people on hospital beds and a lot of that was Perry Como um, and very old music and I was like I want to do something a bit more hip and a bit more fresh and something I'd like to listen to and what's the gap in the market so on a on, the, on a radio station in Sunderland called Spark I volunteered and started contributing a Friday night dance show um, and that was like my hobby it was my one thing I did a week that wasn't like go to work come back walk the dog stick a DVD in you know let's plan what we're doing at the weekend so it was very much um Groundhog Day, you know, in, in my house, and it's like I need a little hobby. But when I was on this management leadership course, um, and we were talking about ourselves, um, we had to write letters to our six-month future self, um, and you wrote yourself a letter, and then you had to write letters to everybody else in the group and tell them what you thought about them and what was really inspiring about them. And I got these letters off all of these people, and as much as there were like 12, 15 people in the room, they were anonymous, you don't know who wrote what, but about five or six of them said, you need to go and work in radio, you need to go and work in radio. And then, as I was doing that, all of a sudden, an opportunity came up at the radio station that I was doing the dance music show on. Uh, somebody came to me from the university, um, offered me the world, really sold it to me, I was going to make as much money as I was making at Sage, um, so I, I moved jobs, took a huge pay cut for the six month contract um, that was in six months going to turn into all the money in the world, whatever I wanted, you know, run this radio station. It's going to be so good. Um, so that I took the I took the leap because what I didn't want to do is not take the offer and forever regret it. And Sage were like, yeah, come back in six months. We'll keep it open for you. And then it was six months around, like, come back. Yeah, come back in, in nine months, whatever. Um, so I, I had that opportunity but I took the leap into radio and then I've become a professional and got paid for doing radio shows. And how was that first job in radio? It was pretty much a disaster. Um, you, you couldn't make this up but the guy had recruited me, hadn't told anybody he'd recruited me and I'd handed in my notice from Sage, had a conversation with a boss, they were going to be really flexible, they'd keep my job and stuff open for me. Um, the, the people within Sage that wanted me to do the leadership development stuff that were even higher up than my boss um, were pretty keen. Yeah, just stay in contact, let us know the crack, do whatever. Um, so I turned up on the first day of this job uh, and was like, is, is this guy about? And they're like, no, I don't know where he is. Um, why are you here? I'm like, oh, because I've got that job. And they're like, oh, um, well, nobody's nobody sorted anything. There's no desk for you. There's no offers for you. We didn't really know you were starting. So I got onto HR and HR kind of started me and like, we're like, right, we'll just register you because we know what role you're talking about. We haven't been told you'd got it. Um, and then it turned out they got a phone call uh, later that day and the guy that I was supposed to meet um, had had fallen into a coma. Um, he had septicemia and had never gone to the hospital, had fallen into a coma 
Uh, and then it turned out out of that six month contract, he was in a coma for three months of it. Um, and we didn't see him for the first three months. So that's why I turned up for this job running a radio station with no objectives, didn't know what I was doing. But yet everybody that I worked with had an opinion on what they thought I should be doing. Um, but yet we we didn't have anything apart from this really basic job spec about what I what I should be doing. So I, I, I rolled with it my own way. But that was not what I would say. That wasn't really the breakthrough into the radio industry that normal people would have. And when your first contract ended, what happened? The contract got extended for the three months, for another three months, so that I could get the time that I needed with this guy. Um, this is the guy that you know promised me the world. Yeah, your your salary will go up. We've got these plans for the station and things like that. Um, but when we hit that nine months, um, I was pushing him the whole way through for conversations about what happens next, what happens next. Um, you know, his life and his attitude to everything had changed through, you know, being in a coma. Uh, so I had to pack my bags and I ended up on the dole pretty much um, after that nine months. And this was me having taken a big career change, massive pay drop. I have got this house and two cars. Like I've got a sports car, a nice house. I've got a wife who has a job and things like that. But hold on a second, how am I going to pay this mortgage? Um, so I joined the job center and they give me four, like two installments of so four weeks worth of um, dual money. I don't know what you call it. I can't remember what you call it, but then they told me that I was way too qualified to be on the dole. There's a load of jobs that I could be doing um, just based on my, my past experience. So they, they said, you're not getting any more money off this. You have to go and, and get a job immediately, pretty much. Um, and then that ended up becoming me having to work at another call centre. So at this point, then I had to join Barclays in Sunderland and was on the phones selling people um insurance or something i can't even remember what i was selling them i was selling credit cards actually sorry um so i was back out of the game pretty quickly scott i have to ask you must have been tempted to just give up on the radio career path and idea and just go back to what you had been working at before well i actually was and what had happened is the one the the lady who was the leadership lady who wanted me to do the leadership courses she actually got headhunted by a company in sweden um, a renewable energy company and she had moved there and when she had moved there she offered me a lot of money to go with her to do this um and i'd said no i'm still sticking with the radio side of things um and i was just being stubborn because i didn't want to i didn't want to give up and i didn't want to you know get to a point in my life where i go you know do this radio thing don't give up on it until you know that you're really done with it i wasn't done with it so i didn't go so she had left um and then i think there was a pride element really of it where i didn't necessarily want to go back because i changed a lot as a person i missed the people because the people were absolutely amazing and so so talented at what they did um but and this is where radio is kind of um interesting was I then and these don't these jobs don't come up. There was a there was a, a job as an assistant producer on a radio show in the northeast that had come up. Um, and I thought, hold on a second. Right. I'm doing this job in a call center. I really need to get this one one four hour shift a week because I'll change everything. If I can get this one four hour shift, that'll be brilliant. And then the interview wasn't really an interview. I walked into a room and it was the most Dragon's Den, maybe uh, apprentice style thing you've ever seen in your life we all got brought in together and sat around the table um, including some friends of mine and we then had to all be interviewed in the room at the same time and it was pretty much dog dog eat dog um, 
one guy turned up late and he got waved into the room and the presenter who he would get to work with went, come on in, come on in, come on in. Just to let you know, we don't accept people being late. That's not how we do it in radio, but I'm going to make you sit here and watch while somebody else gets a job that you haven't got. So he had to sit there um, through this whole thing, which was just really, really embarrassing. But there was two slots available. Um, I got one of them and another uh, person called Zoe got the got the other one, but it was all pretty intense and then that kind of was my first paid stint working on a radio show um in a production capacity and that radio show was brilliant as much as i've just made this guy out to sound like a complete lunatic he wasn't you know he needed to know that the person was exactly right did it breach maybe hr standards yes um would i do that myself absolutely not but i i can understand why he had to do it that way because there was so much personally on the line for him and if he had got that wrong person that would have made uh, an absolute mess of what he what he was aiming to do with the show. So I think that brings us up to the point where you're essentially making your second breakthrough into the radio industry. And correct me now if I'm wrong, but I believe this was also around the same time that you were making headway as a presenter, that you'd gotten a gig as a uh, presenter on a um, internet radio station. Can you just talk us through how the process of getting a job works and how you can kind of make headway into an industry like radio? What's really important to know about radio and media generally is a lot of it comes from friends and networking. And there is a lot of uh, people will give you opportunities because they think that you're good. And I do find it really difficult in the sense that what I have seen in the industry for a long period of time is that the best people not getting the jobs and it being customized because they'll just choose somebody that they think kind of fits the team better. Um, and I still I still have a bit of a, an issue with that because you do see people get jobs either because they're really into something or they're rich. You know, there's there's lots of different reasons, um, but it doesn't work well for working class people um, a lot of the time. But when I worked on this radio show, I then got loads more responsibility. There was loads of different opportunities and stuff like that there came up. Um, uh, in the sense that I worked on this show way more hours than the four hours a week and I was able to charge for quite a lot of them I wasn't able to charge for everything and they did kind of work us a little bit um, but I was still very much not gullible I'm like I won't do that because you're not paying me for that but I'll do that because that links to what I was doing in four hours yesterday whatever I'll, I'll, I'll do that bit for you um, and then in that show uh, somebody in that station somebody had had a promotion and was going to be moving jobs and I thought oh, this would be really really good for me um, but what they didn't do is they didn't advertise it they, they brought in somebody else that was a friend who they thought would be really good um, and this person didn't really know as much as what I did and I ended up having to train them in many respects to do the bits that I was doing um, so that they fully understand the bits that I was doing. I was brought in to alleviate some of the original producer's roles, um, but he needed to know to do everything. So I ended up not getting the phone calls to do the shifts and not for anything that I'd done personally, um, but he was having to learn learn it pretty much. So I then was sitting, waiting, sitting, waiting, chasing to see if I could get any work, chasing to see if I could get any work. But luckily, another ex-Sparky that I'd worked at years ago um, knew that this was kind of going on for me. And they were like, do you know what it is? Hold on a second there's something going down at my radio station that I work at and I got invited in to co-host with somebody uh, a chart show so they said do you want to come in and we'll just do a pilot and we'll we'll test the two of you together you know each other anyway we'll see how you how you work together so we did this pilot and we were really good and they really liked us 
um, and at the same time when they offered us the slot, um, the girl that I was working with messaged and said, I'm really, really sorry, but I've been offered a job at another station and it's not on air, but it's producing some of my heroes and I don't know what to do. And I was like, listen, what you got saying, you need to do that. We'll see what it means for me. Um, and luckily they kept me as a solo. Um, and then I've been there ever since. But that really came from somebody knowing me, knowing my skills, knowing what I could do, knowing what I could bring to the show and knowing my history and just trusting me. So I got that that way. And I've been there for nearly eight years. Scott, I really like your story for several reasons. Number one is I think it sort of shows the resilience that you need to make uh, headway in a career like this, how you can kind of come back from several knockdowns. I personally find it very kind of motivating and inspiring. But I also think it's worth pointing out there's a sort of a cyclical nature to your story, which we have seen actually quite a lot in, in a number of the episodes so far, because you ended up then going back to the station that you originally got kind of your first break in but now in a new role tell us a little bit about that absolutely yeah so the temporary contract the 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 structure of it changed and whenever i was there the first time i'd actually i'd managed to launch a tv station i'd managed to launch a magazine um so the at the time that then i was doing my radio show, my chart show, and then was really pushed for cash. I managed to actually, so I've had to sell, I had to sell two houses during this whole story as well, because I needed to be sensible. Um, and it wasn't just like, oh, I need another job. I literally sold houses and moved back into my father-in-law's twice. Um, at the same time, I started then to think about how can I make money? So I um, managed to find a house to buy, to do up, um, so that I could sell it and make some money off it, because I knew that it had equity in it and I knew that I could do something really basic and make enough money off that to then buy the next house and make some money off that as well just so that at least I'm sitting on equity um, just in case it all goes pear-shaped because with media you kind of do need insurance a little bit but just at a time where I was doing up this house and I was pretty much just doing a few radio shows a week this job came up just as money started to dry up and I was, wasn't able to really buy any more to do for this house but yeah the, the, the compliance manager job just happened to come up at perfect timing and I thought, well, they'll go for that. Is that pretty strange? And I thought, hold on a second. No, because I've always been part of that radio station. I've never left that. So I've been there for 11 years. I was still always doing that Friday night dance show. Um, and the, the structure had changed. The leadership had changed. People weren't there anymore. And actually, the people that I was going to get to work with, I really, really liked and I really admired. And they knew what they were doing. And they were some of the best in the country. And I thought, why wouldn't you want to do this? Um, and I thought, I'll go for it and I'll see how it goes. And I went for it. And then a compliance manager for the BBC was the next person to be interviewed after me. And I was like, scrap, scrap that. I'm never going to get this. Um, and then I got offered it and I was I was really, really lucky. As a finishing point, keeping in mind what you've learned, what you've experienced and keeping the kind of the listeners who might be listening to this, who are trying to figure out their own career path. What advice and guidance would you give to them right now? If you haven't got a life plan and you think everybody else around you has, don't worry about it. Um, what you do need to do is get as much experiences as you can while you're at university. So if the university doesn't offer you things extracurricular around your degree, should you be going to that one in the first instance? That's why I'm so proud of working at the University of Sunderland, because if you go and you do something at the University of Sunderland, they back it up with actual skills. You know, if you want to be if you want to be a theorist for the rest of your life, then maybe different universities are for you where there is no practical and it's all, it's right, let's get your PhD, let's do this, let's do that. And, you know, you can write books and things, that's great. But if you do want to work 
like physically get up every day and go work at industry, then you need to choose the correct university. And the University of Sunderland is spot on for that because you, you get the theory, you get the practicals, and actually you can walk into a job instead of having to learn from scratch because you're just like a brain box. Transferable skills are really, really important. So, you know, if you've done a degree and you have no intention on having a career in that degree, that is absolutely fine. You just need to think about, you know, teamwork. Hopefully you've learned to teamwork through your degree, working with people on projects. If not, some extracurricular activities you've done. Maybe it's the sports teams and societies that you've joined. Teamwork, leadership skills, that's really important. Communication skills, that's really important. All of these things that they look for in your actual job profiles, no matter what you're going to go into, you can get from your degree, but you have to just make the most of your environment as you can really you know if you don't engage at university and you just want to go and hang with your your boyfriend or your girlfriend that doesn't go to university all of the time and you just go to the classes you're not going to get as much from that experience but it's all 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 about transferable skills and just you know being honest with yourself and doing something you're passionate about That was Scott McGurdy's journey into radio. And if you're interested in listening to any of Scott's shows or keeping up with his content, he's on a variety of different stations and brands. And I have put a link to his Instagram and Twitter handles in the description of this episode. If anyone would like to listen to any of his stuff, because he's absolutely brilliant and he's definitely worth listening to. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We didn't even get to talk about all the awards he won, which I think just shows kind of the huge amount of, I suppose, um, effort and work that went into building up the kind of career that Scott has built up and continues to build up and will continue to build up in the future. I have absolutely no doubt about that. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to support the show, then as always, subscribing, sharing is a massive help. I have also had some questions about uh, what social media pages you can find Graduate Compass on. And if you're interested in engaging in those, we've got two at the moment. One is a Twitter account, which is just at Graduate Compass. And then it's also at Graduate Compass on TikTok. Although I have to admit, I can't uh, 100% say I know 100% what I'm doing on TikTok yet, but it's just a different form of content to uh, put out there for anyone who is particularly interested. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. My name is Keenan Sullivan, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.